Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. So, <laughs> walking down the street, and again, I live in not the biggest city in the world, obviously. Uh, it's not New York, it's not Los Angeles, but it's probably a mid sized city, and it's kind of in the middle of the country, USA. And with that, we have sidewalks. Uh, believe it or not, there's some places in the United States that might be called cities, maybe municipalities, maybe they're not incorporated, maybe they're unincorporated, but they don't even have sidewalks. But we do have sidewalks, and sometimes they get busy. And uh, so it's not an all-the-time sort of thing that you have to kind of keep your eye out, but it's busy enough, there's enough foot traffic, that if you're not watching where you're going, you're likely to <laughs> run into someone or something. And who knows then whether that might be dangerous or not, but the person or the thing you run into, depending on what it is, uh, you could certainly hurt them or you could hurt yourself. So, <laughs> I'm walking down the street and... I see these folks coming, and I think, okay, well, there's not too many people on the sidewalk. We should be okay. I'll just kind of stay to the right. Uh, and surely they're going to look up and pay attention, and, you know, they're not moving fast. So all should go well. All should go well. But it doesn't. Uh, and I notice they're so engrossed in the conversation that they don't even notice me. And numbers, maybe three or four, and they were kind of grouped together when I first saw them. But the closer I got, they started to fan out a bit. And I thought, well, it's still not a big problem. Surely they're going to pay attention. <laughs> and when we get to that moment where all of a sudden you realize they don't see me. And they're doing all this talking and in their own heads, so to speak, and bam, <laughs> we bang. But it wasn't hard and it wasn't terrible. Unfortunately, I live in a fairly safe city, so people are pretty courteous and kind to one another, which I think probably has something to do with feeling safe and secure. So I did my apologies. They did their apologies and I went on my way, and they went on their way. But as I looked over my shoulder and I thought about it, I thought, they're going to do this again. Because just as soon as we exchanged our apologies, they went right back to the same stuff they were doing. Being in your own head is not necessarily always a bad thing, though. But if you're too much into your own head, you're not paying attention sufficiently to what's going on around you, it could definitely result in some trouble. Psychology Today, October of 2022. Susan Krauss Whitbourne, Why Some Personalities Stay Sharper, Knowing That Personality Affects Fluid Reasoning Can Help You Pinpoint Your Own Cognitive Profile. We all aspire to have and maintain a sharp, quick, and accurate mind. The aspect of intelligence known as fluid ability 
reflects the capacity to generate a variety of ideas and find novel solutions to problems. For example, if asked to come up with as many words as possible that begin with the same letter, the more words you can generate, the more flexible your mind. Psychologists typically perceive cognitive abilities as driving fluid intelligence. But research suggests, recent research suggests that personality may also play an important role. Angelina Sutton of Florida State University and her colleagues noted that aging typically brings on a decline in fluid intelligence, but that it's not inevitable. In fact, personality might just be able to compensate for the decline. People higher in the personality trait of conscientiousness, other research has shown, tend to perform better than others on memory tasks, at least partly because they're more likely to be well-organized and hard-working. Meanwhile, people high in neuroticism may perform more poorly on cognitive tests because they are too anxious to fully focus. And people high in openness to experience may perform more strongly on tests that benefit from a creative and unconventional approach. Evidence is mixed or lacking on the traits of extroversion and agreeableness. The research team proposed that verbal fluency should be supported by the personality traits of openness to experience, extroversion, conscientiousness, and hindered by neuroticism. If you enjoy playing with ideas, aren't afraid to make a mistake, talk a lot, and are able to inhibit responses that don't fit the category, you should score well on verbal fluency. To the extent that these traits also benefit your overall health, all the better. After examining reports from more than 90,000 international participants, the team found that, as they expected, verbal fluency was lower among those with high neuroticism scores and highest among individuals with greater openness to experience, conscientiousness, and extroversion. Agreeableness was not consistently related to fluency. The connection between openness and fluency held even after controlling for participants' level of education, the authors noted, suggesting to them that it reflected an association that began in childhood. It would seem that starting at an early age, highly open people spend more time reading, which benefits their lifelong fluency, as for extroverts, they tend to talk more, so when prompted, they don't hold back on coming up with a slew of verbal associations. People high in neuroticism may use fewer words, in part because they worry more about being put on the spot. These findings support the notion that personality can influence cognitive ability, and they emphasize the importance of considering personality as a key aspect a mental training as you age. Personality traits may seem resistant to change, but when you understand their potentially beneficial aspects, in the case of mental acuity, allowing your mind to wonder, training it through reading, or just enjoying occasional flights of fancy, you can commit to working on them and over time become better able to maintain your mental muscles. Again, why some personalities stay sharper, knowing that personality 
affects fluid reasoning can help you pinpoint your own cognitive profile by Susan Krauss Whitbourne, Psychology Today, October of 2022. Now, I do not know that personality is necessarily correlated in any sort of manner, way, shape, or form to intelligence. <laughs> That's me. I don't know that. I'm not sure that the either the study's author or the reviewer's author uh, that I read today, Susan Krauss-Whitborn in Psychology Today, October 2022, knows that either. But I would say this, that as much as the two have any correlation or connection, I don't know that I would question the organicity, <laughs> the organic or the physiology First, because it seems to me that that is something that is entirely unlikely to have anything to do with your personality or you. What you are born with, you are born with. And as much as that is either to your advantage or disadvantage, I suppose one has to sort of wait and see. But I do believe this, that what you are given... And as it then tends to translate to survival, more than that, ultimately survival is success, but success in life as measured more qualitatively than just simply survival being quantitatively, your personality probably either accentuates that or may in some ways take away from that. Now, where does personality come from? It comes from early experiences negotiating the realities of life. Your realities, reality is reality, but every situation, circumstance, culture that you are brought up in, <laughs> social norms, um, all of those could be a bit different. What you were exposed to in either healthy or unhealthy sorts of ways, ranging all from possible harm, abuse, to maybe equally harmful, but not having necessarily to be challenged too much, or the right balance between the two, insufficiency and greater than average or normal excess. Materially, probably also you could say that psychologically in the terms of the support system, the love that you receive, the affirmation, which is really a component of what I would put as a component of love, how people view you, your success in negotiating your worth and value, or at least feeling valued, um, worth something. <laughs> Again, accepted. All of that plays a factor either to the lesser or greater extent of having received that. And that's very much others. <laughs> what you initially, early in life, take in. Your experiences. But as you begin to make sense of all those experiences, as you begin to form some sense of self or identity... Your personality becomes either synonymous with that or very close to being one and the same with that. 
because it begins to describe who you are. It's how you do life. It's not only how you perceive your world around you, but again, once more, in response to that, how you perceive yourself. It's identity. And I do believe, regardless of what you're born with, or your innate potential, uh, your aptitude, your achievement isn't necessarily going to have anything to say about aptitude, what you do with it. But what you do with it has a lot to say with what your experiences in life are, and sometimes even with the best of materials, even organically with the best of stuff, uh, high IQ, even maybe so innately intelli- uh, emotional quotient, emotional IQ. You still may not have confidence. You may not have self-esteem sufficient. You may not believe in yourself enough. You may never have received enough affirmation. You may have (laughs) experienced so much discouragement that it's been to your your great disadvantage. You don't believe in yourself. Your identity or your personality has the shadow, so to speak, of failure attached to it. Now, I tried this to kind of balance that out a moment ago when I was speaking of even with excess. People can tell you how great you are, but until you learn for yourself, and sometimes people will tell you that so indiscriminately or unconditionally that it really doesn't have any meaning. <laughs> They're to tell you that whether you do well or you don't. We all need feedback. It's like looking in a mirror. You have to sort of look in the mirror to get a better sense of yourself because you can't see yourself within that perspective that a mirror affords you. Seeing yourself through the eyes of other people, the feedback they give you is like a mirror. It's reflective of what it is that they see. But it could be distorted like any mirror Most today are pretty good, most are pretty accurate, but some aren't. And if it's really not a very good reflection, then I'm not sure you really want to take much from that. But if that's the only mirror you've got, and early in childhood or early in life, during childhood, growing up, or as you mature to the point where you can actually go out and function independently... Make it in the world without having a mom, a dad, a parental figure, those significant others there to assist or help. You're pretty much dependent on whatever it is they're reflecting back to you. You're maybe it's insidiously so in in so much embedded in that experience that you're not even aware yet. <laughs> you might not, they may not be telling you accurately or giving you accurate enough feedback so that you would know what you really are until you get out into the world, a place where you get feedback from others who may not be as distorted, who may not carry around prejudice or bias, who may not then in that have, I'm sure sometimes it's fully unintentional, harmed you. by some distortions of their own or that was implicit in them. They were bad at 
reflecting reality, particularly when it comes to this idea of self-esteem and identity. But you can start taking in new kind of perspectives. You can see yourself maybe better outside of that initial system, uh, the primary system that you grow up in, uh, mom, dad, Maybe it's extended family, culture, neighborhood, community, all of those things. There's always going to be a bit of a subjective flavor. But for me, this article kind of speaks more to that effect than it does that personality either has something to do with IQ or intelligence, uh, maybe over, at least innately so, Maybe over time, if you don't get this chance, if you don't take the opportunity, maybe childhood has been so traumatizing that you're closed off, you're not likely to go out, you're so lacking in confidence and self-esteem, you won't go out and experiment, you won't go out and see if there's something different in the world. You stay in your own small community. You never leave home. (laughs) Echo chamber. You stay within the safety, apparent, appearing safe, confines of what you know. Possibly that will, over time, (laughs) suppress. Kind of take something that was good and as that continues to be applied In time, over time, I suppose then, as the article might suggest, that might reflect a correlation between this aptitude, achievement, innate IQ, intelligence, ability to really adaptively with the the machinery, the mechanisms, the bodily, the physiology that you've been given to do well in life, to succeed. To do more than simply survive, to really find not only life, but qualitatively, a really good life. But it would not be necessarily that that is an enhancement as much as it seems like it serves potential to be once more disadvantageous, a detraction from that. And then all of these things might come back to a primary idea that the better we can affirm and encourage one another, rightly so challenging one another, to not just take my word for it, but learn it for yourself, or admitting that we all have prejudice and bias and nobody's perfect and each individual being just that, unique and different, celebrate your individuality, your uniqueness. You have to cooperate and get along because there is definitely then some sort of advantage to numbers. (laughs) Having a support system, having people around you, because obviously if any of that were to be true, which I believe it is, or I wouldn't have said it, You're going to find yourself at times needing others' help. But you can't depend so much on others, at least to the extent that it creates 
a lack of confidence or ability to rely upon yourself. You are you. <laughs> and that is the one thing you take with you throughout your life. You'll never be separated from you. To like yourself, to be agreeable, not so much with others, but with yourself. And maybe that's why in the article, there's a bit of uncertainty about agreeableness as a characteristic or trait when it comes to adaptability or success in life beyond maybe just merely survival. Because, you know, we're talking about agreeable with others and agreeable with self, and that may be two different things especially if the others, once more, aren't very accurate in what they're giving you, or maybe they're, they've just got problems, and they you know, pass that on to you, or you know, even if it's not somebody you grew up with, and maybe it was just somebody you met as an adult. There's some people who have come from some pretty unhealthy places, uh, they've had horrible childhoods and you might encounter them and it's like walking down the street and you're thinking, we're going to be able to pass, okay, but you really can't because they're in their own heads. They have self-esteem issues or they're so sort of narcissistically self-absorbed, they're not paying attention to people around you. The article speaks in eroticism. That's <laughs> sort of what neuroticism is. It comes from all of the negatives. It comes from all of the lack of affirmation or a healthy balance between uh, we love you, we think you're great, and no, we can't do this for you. You'll have to do it for yourself, but we're there if you need us. We, you've got this kind of balance, communication, encouragement, really, because it does. It teaches you how to be courageous. It teaches you how to have some faith. Yes, in others, we want safe, secure communities. We want sidewalks. We want to be able to go out without fear that somebody's going to harm us or hurt us. We want to have some sense of efficacy, some sense of self-worth, self-esteem. And we're going to encounter some people who don't, and maybe some will be to the extreme. But that's why we need to also have some sort of internal locus or location of that sort of control. We can't be at the mercy of our environment unless we find ourselves so much social or physical in a place, a time that is so negative that you don't have the ability to to, in a healthy way, resist succumbing to it, giving in to it, starting to allow it to define you rather than you defining it, it being, again, the composite of all of that, without too much personage. But really, personage, that's what we're saying is, is personality. But if you go with you throughout your whole life and you like you and you've got good self-esteem, then whatever apparatus you were born with in terms of bodily function and operation, whatever your genetics were, hopefully more healthy than unhealthy, you have a better chance with that support or at least that confidence with that affirmation in place. You're more open to experiences. And even should you have been brought up in 
not maybe the best, you still have to have enough of it or you may believe the whole world is like that and never test it. Or you may lack your lack in such self-esteem, your own confidence, self-esteem. You won't go out and find out, is it true what they've said about me all these years? Is it true? Are they just saying that to me? And in that way, you really never come to a place of fully owning it, which is once more, another way of sort of characterizing or describing personality. If you walk with confidence and you approach life in a confident way, believing in the apparatus, believing in your physical, emotional, psychological capabilities to function, and mixed with just enough success, or finding an opportunity to sort of Learn, even if it's instrumentally at first. You're not going to get that from the people around you. You have to go out there, there and sort of test that for yourself. That probably then speaks most to if there is some connection between personality and innate capability or capacity. It would be whether or not we allow the good stuff that we were born with to have good end or good result. And in that same sort of a way, neuroticism reflects not only symptoms of fear and inadequacy and low self-esteem. Neuroticism is all about worry, seeing all sorts of failure rather than a lens of success. Now, you can't just contrive that. Again, we want the, the mirror to be accurate. But even so... You would have to be able to understand when you're looking through a distorted, or looking into, a distorted mirror. Uh, again, even with random encounters, you're going to have to identify the individuals pretty quickly that have this problem of low self-esteem. You can feel sorry for them. You can have empathy for them. You can want to help them and maybe they'll but sometimes in their defensiveness and their neuroticism they're not going to see you period <laughs> whether it's again sidewalk analogy see you coming or even so not necessarily get out of your way but respectfully give you your space so that you can pass by relatively so without a huge incident but even that requires a bit of self-esteem because people who are hypervigilant in their own head in such this negative way that they can't take in or they don't know how to go about testing their paradigm, their thought about themselves and the world around them. Again, distortions of somebody else's messed up sort of sense of reality. And, and with that, the negativity and the pessimism, you don't want to inherit that. You don't want to continue that throughout your whole life. But if you don't even have enough of that to test it, or if you're so much engrossed in that with inside of yourself, closed off to the world, input from others, defensive to the extent or degree that you can't really even open your mouth and sort of share communication. That, that's the way we share ideas. That's the way we tell people about ourselves. That's the way we learn about other people is through what they say. But if you can't endure that because of that fear or that lack of confidence, then you're probably going to perceive that as an attack. They're not attacking you. They're just encountering you. 
And unfortunately, sometimes you do bump into one another, but it's not the end of the world. And sometimes those situations, if it causes pause, maybe that's the only way you really get a chance to get to know others because we all tend to, at times, be so engrossed in our own thoughts. But even then, that suggests openness is, a, is evidence of a lack of defensiveness, which in this case is a good thing. It's adaptive. There's times to be defensive, but make sure it's appropriately so and make sure those individuals really intend to harm you. Otherwise, they'll go through life thinking everybody's intention to harm you. And in that way, not only does that affect your ability to take in the world, but you don't learn. And your mental acuity, if that's somehow tied to some novel, new experiences, problem solving, as the article captures it, some sort of, we called it fluid intelligence, but they call it fluid ability, It includes not only IQ, but the equivalent emotionally EQ, emotional quotient. You're not going to succeed in life if success is measured not only by survival. It may be survival of the fittest or the perception is I've just got to take care of me because the world's a hostile place and nobody really likes me and all those things that were done to me as a child and even as I grew up in my adolescence to the place where I could be on my own. It's not changed. The world's still that hostile. The world is still that abusive. The world is still that negative and pessimistic. And uh, I'm not even sure I realize it yet. If I might, it's only because I'm still looking for some affirmation, some love, but I may have even gotten to the place where I've given up on love. And all of a sudden, as I'm saying this, and hopefully as you're listening to this, it's starting to make some sense. A lot of people have fallen into that trap. But to step outside of yourself or to be open to new experiences gives you a chance to discover Not only in terms that the world might not be quite like you think it is, and maybe that's not bad, but even if it's challenging in some sort of way of requiring you to understand the world in new dimensions, which that basically is, but unknown yet dimensions. Even if it's daunting, like I've got a problem that I've never had before, or I've got a question that needs an answer to that I've never encountered before, creativity to embrace it that in part comes from a recognition of your aptitudes your your innate abilities but more so it comes from your experience have you done something like this and had some success applying your aptitudes and abilities in a way that allows you to again have achievement (laughs) aptitude achievement a good outcome Some success. Others to appreciate or recognize, maybe, hopefully, if it's really, truly reality. Then others will eventually line up, oh, that's a good way to do that. Oh, you've done this. This is like great. They'll recognize that. But even if they don't, you have to recognize that because as much as it may be phenomenological or so much inside of you in that case being in your own head is not a bad thing if in your own head you've come to rightly so empirically so objectively so or at least with some measure of a good mirror understood who you are and 
what you're really about and what you want your life to be about. In that sense, if you carry that as part of your personality throughout life, then once again, you're more likely to have confidence not only in facing things outside of you, but confidence in what's inside of you to do well in negotiating whatever it is that comes up in life. Uh, You'll be in right measure, both internally sort of driven, but also, rightly so, responsive to the social dimension of others. But that order is really, really, very, truly important to appreciate. It has to be from you first And that's why I believe it is adaptive or as much we've come to this, whatever power might have brought us to this evolution over the history of the human being or organism or animal or whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call us. We've come to this place where it's shown itself to be true. If you're true to yourself, you've got better chances of negotiating in a healthy way and learning, embracing, being open to new learning, being creative. When it comes to things outside of you, some of those things are going to, again, be natural, organic, which doesn't mean they're inanimate, but they may not be people, but that includes people. But that's likely to be then the healthiest basis of relating, not only to yourself, self-esteem, self-worth, but if you carry that through life and you don't do that in some sort of, again, self-absorbed or narcissistic fashion, where everything around you is just something to get past or to get something out of that's serving only you, If you can get out of your own head in that way, stay in your head long enough to understand, this is good for me. I'm learning something new. Diversity isn't bad. Creativity isn't bad. It just has to be adaptive. And what does that mean? Not only for your survival, but because we are social creatures, it should contribute to the betterment of others. And how do we know? Because once we, as with confidence, embrace the opinions of others and as we're talking through them we're not going to be as likely to be defensive to shut them off or shut them down or to be so preoccupied again the street analogy sidewalk analogy walking along the sidewalk a street sidewalk that we're just so much in our own little group that we don't see anything around us we need to be able to be open to seeing things around us but not at the expense of losing the greatest advantage of having confidence that we know how to rightly measure both sides of that so that not only do we survive, (laughs) but we succeed. And not only then do we survive and succeed, qualitative and quantitative, but at the same time, we're encouraging others to do the same thing. So... Kind of in summary, I take from this article, at least the article has prompted me to think. It's not self, it's more how you relate to self. And if that's true, then self-acceptance, esteem, confidence, 
<laughs> known as self-love, it takes a lot of the burden out of negotiating life. Not everything's a threat. Not everybody's going to be mean to you or abuse you or deny you or abandon you or neglect you or hurt you or harm you or just be callous even. So you don't have to be so defensive. Some are, and sometimes you do have to put up some sort of defense. But hopefully that's not the majority of the time. Otherwise, we'd be closed to all life experiences. Everything would seem to be so risky. And even if it may not be to the extent that we feel joy, or we experience love in these terms that have kind of defined it as in the podcast today or on the podcast today. But we'll settle for a lot less. And with that, it may not be good. And in the end, it may harm whatever your innate capacity or capability might be. It may suppress not only your IQ, but your EQ. And with that, it's a burden. It taxes your system. It wears you down. That sort of perspective or way of looking at it is really what stress is for most of us. It's distress or distress. And neuroticism is a symptom of that. You worry, you're anxious. It kind of tells us that we've got problems with how we not only view the world, but most importantly, how we view ourselves. And if that becomes part of your personality, then you take on this failure identity, which is, again, once more, contrary or in contrast to success, optimism, hope. We give up. We give in. We resign ourselves to the lesser. So being true to yourself is the only way to adaptively go through life with its one most important of conditions. You have to like you. You have to love you. Not narcissistically so. Not fabricated or sort of based on what others have even told you or what you pretend like yourself in avoidance of actually going out there and contributing in this positive sort of way, a positive energy to life, putting yourself out there, being invested, living your life in that real sort of manner. You can pretend like you're something, but in the end, you've got no validation. <laughs> you didn't really go out and do it. You just pretended. You just said, well, this is who I am, and you just have to accept me this way, and you have to look at, no. I will respect you as a real person for going out and contributing to life in this, what I would call, the most real of ways, the most, again, healthy of ways and manners, more than if you just look at me and say, well, you just have to because that's who I am. Okay, I can accept that that's what you want to believe you are, but you're, bel you're belying the fact. You're By saying it that way, by coming across in that sort of superficial, narcissistic dimension, almost like putting it on rather than allowing it to sort of come from an inside to the outward expression of it. You're just simply trying to act like it. People are going to read you and they're going to know. 
and they're going to understand uh, this person is very fragile. They're, you can't mess with them because they'll blow up or they'll explode or they'll fall apart. And then in and of itself, that's so threatening when that starts to happen that there's nothing but defensiveness, certainly from the narcissistic side of it, that emerges. But also people around you start to begin to say, I really don't want to hang out with that person. I want to go the other way. <laughs> Don't even walk on that group comes to get at me. I'll walk across the street so I don't have to encounter them. We don't want that, right? That's not healthy. That's not the right way to go about it. And I believe that's really what this article, at least for me, prompted uh, me to think of or the way that I took that or the direction I took that in. Why some personalities stay sharper? It's probably because they like themselves. And they reflect that with that outward sort of evidence. It's not a symptom. It's a character. It's a virtue. And you do that enough and people begin to define you that way. The people who don't like themselves, they may stay sharp. But they're not sharp in a good sort of way. They're closed off to the world. Their brain stops seeing things in creative dimensions. They stop testing themselves. They stop thinking out of the box, so to speak. Uh, they're not fluid, dynamic. Their IQ seems to be muted, suppressed, and as well as their EQ, emotional quotient. So, I would agree more than less with the article by Susan Krauss Whitbourne. Why some personalities stay sharper? Knowing that personality affects fluid reasoning can help you pinpoint your own cognitive profile. But in a general sort of way, let's just celebrate. That's not hopefully your own cognitive profile. Maybe it's everybody's, at least in terms of personality. And then when it comes to then innate capabilities or abilities... Regardless of what you're given, you're going to do much better. It's going to have a much better chance to manifest itself. It's going to work better. It's going to result in not only survival, but qualitatively success. Better if you believe in it. <laughs> if you believe in you. And you don't do things that are unhealthy. Because over the, the lifetime, the lifespan, you keep doing that and <laughs> you'll probably not make it. Uh, to a ripe old age. You may end your life sooner through natural, again, sort of mechanisms or maybe somewhere along the line somebody will bang into you or you'll bang into them and they won't be nearly as friendly. They won't be nearly as polite. They won't be nearly as respectful. Or maybe there'll be a situation, a circumstance that comes up that you'll just give up on and quit trying. Hopefully that's not you though, right? <laughs> we don't want that. So, Psychology Today, October 2022. I want to thank you for joining me today on Word with Dave Clay. And with that, I want to encourage you to go out and embrace your life. Enjoy it. Bring some positivity to the world. <laughs> Share with them you, but a good you, not a fearful, scared, neurotic you. And as much as I want you to do that, I'd like for you to come back for the next podcast. And as much as that, in the meantime, possibly correlate to all of this, I want you to have not only good health, definitely correlate to all of this, but good mental health. 
Until next time.